Welcome to the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast, where we untangle the past, rewrite the present, and reclaim our future. I am your host, Tammy Vincent, and together we will break free from old patterns, heal wounds, and create new narratives. Are you ready to transform the effects of your dysfunctional past into your superpowers? Are you excited to get back in touch with your true authentic self? If so, then hit subscribe and join me weekly on the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast. Here we will learn from experts as well as experienced thrivers how to turn our trials into smiles while living our most authentic and joyful lives. Well, hello again. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today we have a very special guest, Josh Brandon. He is an actor, author, and host of his own podcast, called Overthinking Everything. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about the word deconstructing trauma. For those of you that are a little confused, we're going to let Josh tell you all about it. So welcome, Josh. So glad to have you here. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. Appreciate it. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, I mean, when you say deconstructing trauma, I mean, is that something you've always been into or is there something that led you on that path of trying to figure this out? (laughs) Mental health, I think preserving my own mental health was the main thing. I think for me to deconstruct, um, I had to have permission to, I had to know what that meant. And, um, thankfully the last five years specifically, social media has erupted with voices of, of permission, you know, and, and giving you those terms and phrases that maybe you didn't think about. Uh, maybe they're made up words, you know, until they're trendy, but, um, when I started thinking about everything that I had done up to that point, mental health wise, it was deconstruction. I just didn't know the term, but I was sort of taking apart and unraveling all of this trauma that I'd experienced in my life. And what I realized is I hadn't given, given myself adequate permission to fully appreciate all of those traumas. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, be a man, grow up, whatever it is, all those toxic whispers in your in your ear kind of just say i've got this and maybe i did to some degree you know i managed to survive despite my my own early uh um, attempts to not want to which i made a song about by the way uh it's all about sort of creating and channeling all of that trauma through other means to you know try to help yourself or help others and that is the foundation really of, of what started I was always the therapist of my friends. The, I'm the guy that went to the parties in college and I had the reputation of being the you know, party guy, wild, do whatever you want, but I'm always in the bathroom with two or three people sorting out their drama. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's like, before you go back out there and you know, I'm just playing everybody's uh, therapist and I never minded that. It taught me a lot about people um, and myself. And so when I started exploring uh, my own trauma, past traumas and, and stuff that goes on in daily life. Uh, it was when I found uh, the security and the stability in my life to do so, which I hadn't had before. I was always sort of playing from behind, you know. Um, so I think when you've got the luxury of peace, you can sort of pause and I don't say smell the roses, but look in the garden to see which roses are blooming and which ones need to be trimmed. 
Absolutely. I mean, smell the roses is a very easy way of saying it. I mean, that's yeah. really what we all want to do is just take time and enjoy what's out there instead of being bogged down by all this stuff. Now, for the people that are listening, when you say deconstruct, I mean, literally, I mean, I'm going all the way back to the beginning because there are people that are going to go, what, what do you mean deconstruct? Oh, I mean, yeah. Break it down for me. Deconstruction uh, is a term that came into, uh, I guess, everybody's mind over religion. A lot of people come into religion and they they find themselves growing up, growing out of it, looking back on some memories and, and wondering what that might be. The topic of my podcast is cultism. You know, I mean, that's that's the subject I'm discussing. So it's not it's not cult necessarily like we think of. It's cultism. And it's that inappropriate attribution of things in our hierarchy priority hierarchy where they shouldn't be football teams i mean i mean i'm critical of these things because i try to get people to think a little bit deeper and critically um people walk around all their lives being a green bay packers fan having never been to green bay or wisconsin why well, their dad watched Green Bay Packers games when they were kids. They grew up watching Green Bay Packer games. They got a big cheese square they put on their head. But here they are in their 40s, having never been to Green Bay, Wisconsin, they may live in Kansas City. So when Green Bay plays the Chiefs every four years or whatever, they go to the game, or every eight years, I guess, however it goes, then they get to go to the game or, or you know, anniversary trip, they'll go to Chicago or something. You know, it's it's... I've seen this with the University of Tennessee here in Knoxville. There's a lot of people here who wear orange, but they didn't go to the college and they talk very horribly about other people, their other teams, their, their opponents with, I'm sure it's just kind of joking in their minds, but they, they say these things and it's, it's not in their mind of what they're saying or why they're saying it. They just know that Bama fans are the worst or whatever week it is, right? Whatever, whatever right. game is coming up. Um, and it's just it's fill in the blank on every single person, every game, every every shoe brand, every television show, band, ketchup brand, uh, pancake mix, whatever it is, we've we climb those hills of opinion. Deconstruction is taking that idea, whether it's religion, politics, or football, and completely unwinding it, taking it and following it. All the way back. Okay, well, if I believe that the Green Bay Packers are the best team, why do I believe that? Well, my dad, my dad liked the Green Bay Packers. Why did my dad like the Green Bay Packers? You'd be surprised at how many people can't deconstruct past that without going and asking. But they've put their their own personality at, at play and affected their own lives with this thing that's more or less just a nostalgic tie to their father more than it is a football team. And there's nothing negative or positive necessarily about that. But when you get in a habit of just assigning that level of cultism to anything without any deeper thought, that's where we, that's where we fall prey to other cultisms. So we take those ideas and we, and we backstep them. We trace them all the way back, almost like a genealogy. Um, the original logline for my podcast was the origin of idea. Hmm. Then I made it up episode for the towards the end of the show but it's it really is that when i'm talking about deconstruction it's the origin of the idea 
then you step back and go, okay, well, does the origin of that idea align with my core values? And if it does, you keep going with it. And if you don't, you know, what's the harm? We don't like change, but it's the idea that we're just trying to not change our own minds, but solidify the foundation that we live on. Well, and I absolutely love that because I was a teacher and I truly think that that is the the critical thinking aspect of it is what is gone. We need to make decisions for ourselves. So it's not I'm drinking because my mom drank and because her mom drank and because her mom's mom drank. And that's what I'm supposed to do. It's why am I doing this? Why am I perpetuating these habits? And when you're talking about trauma, especially there's a lot of onion layers to that trauma. There's a lot. And if you get stuck at the second one, you're nowhere closer to who you really are than day one. And we we underestimate the traumas we experience. We don't give ourselves permission to see these things as trauma because it makes us weak or we're drama queens or we're constantly complaining about things, whatever it is. We have so many dark shadow voices whispering in our ears, convincing us, gaslighting us not to feel, not to think. And when we don't think, we don't feel. I explore a lot of topics, a lot of themes, but it, they're all sort of centrally around the, the same idea. I talk a lot about the dumbing down and numbing down of America. And, you know, through education, you ask what really got me on this path. Several years ago, I started, uh, I wanted to get out of the workforce. Uh, I was, I did radio for a f- several, two decades and wasn't really satisfied with that industry. It was very toxic. I landed in automotive sales for a few years, which was even more toxic. And I managed to uh, master online internet sales. I built a small business out of that uh, side business. But then we started looking at what I'm going to do next. Friends of mine encouraged me to do voiceover work full time since I've been what I've done all my, my life. So I launched Josh Brandon Media, voice acting. Uh, I pursued an agent. Uh, for voice acting. That agent asked me if I wanted to do camera work. And I said, okay, good luck if you think you can. And they did. And I've, I got television roles and film roles. I didn't, you know, whatever. I was, uh, you know, I was 41 or something, 40. I mean, like I gave up on all those dreams um, and, and because of trauma. Yeah. So we waste our lives being immersed in our own trauma at this stage i should not have anything that i have i shouldn't be a voice actor an actor i shouldn't be an author i shouldn't i shouldn't be making music i should i turned my back on all of those creative outlets a long time ago because of trauma and for someone to sort of deconstruct a little bit of that enough to get started on their own and start their own business. Um, well, that that's kind of significant. And I couldn't do that without having deconstructed some of the things that made me walk away from radio. It wasn't me. It wasn't performing. It wasn't entertaining. I didn't necessarily enjoy the audience. Like I, I didn't get to pick the audience in radio. I, I was doing other work. I was doing this and it was their audience. Um, and so I had to step back and go, okay, well, it was a toxic management. So if, if I work for myself, I don't have to be harassed every day. I don't have to be 
I never have to have another staff meeting. You know, they're, they're, I never have to be in an uncomfortable position. So I did all that. Um, but at the same time I started Josh Brandon Media, I went back to school to pursue a master's in teaching. I always wanted to be a classroom teacher until my internship, mind you. That's when I changed my mind. Yeah. I think that does it for a lot of people that go into teaching. They think it's going to be an easy job, summer's off, and boy, it is not. I, I knew, I kind of knew what I was getting into, but I'll tell you what, what did it for me was uh, I was 40 year old male going back to school for my master's degree. Uh, I don't think anyone adequately prepared me for the fact that I wouldn't get hired. Mm. And, you know, I mean, like, you know, they bring me in as a master's. They got to pay me for the master's. I have just as much experience as a first year. But I come in with all this experience and ideas this first year is not going to come in with. So I realized that pretty early on. And I'm OK, well, schools are kind of just the same corporate sort of atmosphere I, I wanted to avoid. But that experience and the education and the learning that I got from that, from human development, SPED, special education, all of that, um, they kept, they did keep pushing me into a, a more a SPED classes because my age and everything maybe, you know, make, make me more desirable to hire. I kind of wish I would have taken more because those, those classes really enlightened me um, in, and it goes back to what I think we're talking about. We don't properly appreciate what special education is because when we grew up, special education had a stigma. And if you've raised children today, then you know that most children have special education needs. Most children are learning challenged. They, they are somewhere on a spectrum of, of many different things. And there is no cookie cutter blueprint for learning. That opened up the doors in my mind that not only academic confidence, you are better at something, even if you don't know what you're doing, if you think you're good at it, yep. you will improve faster. And I realized through my own struggles, I, I've, I felt like I was not a good student, but it was because I was subjected to learning the way the teacher wanted to teach, the way the school insisted the teacher teach, the way the system did. And when I started looking at things as everyone has gone through this, everyone has had their academic confidence knocked, everyone has felt like they don't, whatever it is. If I know that not everybody's story is the same, I can better help people. Absolutely. I actually wrote a book. It's funny you said that. And the name of the book is Helping uh, Children of Alcoholics and Other At-Risk Students. And then the bottom part of it is identifying and empowering the disconnected youth. And it's not about pointing people out and going, you've had trauma, you got trauma, you're bad, you're good, no. you're this. It's about just teaching the whole class to empower themselves and using that compassion that you and I talked about before the interview and just really reaching them. I mean, yeah, I got my, my master's in special education and then realized I can help 26 kids a year. How can I, like all of these kids are hurting. All of these kids, you know, you don't sleep on the desk because you want to sleep on the desk when you're in right. fifth grade. You sleep on the desk because it's you're afraid to close your eyes at home. Right. You know? And, and, you know, that kid who's who's not 
paying attention hasn't eaten in a day and a half. They didn't get to school in time to get breakfast and there's no breakfast or lunch or maybe dinner at home. Parents are working three jobs if their parents are even raising them. I can't tell you how many parent-teacher conferences I had where the grandparents came in. Mm -hmm. And all I can think is, and I don't mean this critically, but just based on human development, science, psychological stuff, you know, the child psychology, it, can we pause this real quick? I'm sorry. Pause it. Yeah. Is there a way to do that? I'm sorry. I've got, I've, I've got something. If, if... Okay. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, can you help me where I was? So we were talking about just the emptiness of the kids and the struggling of the kids. And gotcha. I was talking about them sleeping on their desks. So when the kids, when the kid comes back from their, you know, or the kids not focused in your class, when a kid is not focused, it is rarely because they don't want to focus. Human nature is to learn. We want to learn until something makes us not want to learn anymore or something gets in the way of that. And what I found is that a lot of times if we if we don't understand the whole story. And I started really thinking about that with the term, you'll, you know, from teaching whole child, mm-hmm. whole child education. Well, we're all children and we've all been neglected in the system. And if we could go back in time and change things and we had the adequate care and the adequate learning early in those formative years, we weren't sat in front of a TV and taught that every single person was a one dimensional characteristic. Smurfs, G.I. Joe, think of all these cartoons that we grew up watching where we identified these characters that we grew to love by one singular thing. Mm -hmm. It's easy, dopey doc. Yep. And those are the traumas. When I talk about those many traumas that we, you know, it it doesn't have to be a massive accident or a a house fire or anything. It's a trauma that you don't even understand. You don't realize because you've gone through your life looking at people through a singular vision of perspective. This person's a redhead. So they are fill in the blank. This person, uh, is, you know, has whatever characteristic and, and we go, whether we know it or not, we go down that list of the things that we've been taught consciously or subconsciously through our lives. Absolutely. And I always say that, you know, the label should describe the person. You don't give someone a label and then let the person fit the label. I mean, that seems to be what happens, you know, oh, you're shy. So now the kid backs up because the mom pushes her behind her. Oh, you're shy. Well, maybe the kid wasn't shy. Maybe the child wanted to come out and talk and be joyous and happy. And no, you're shy. And I think we talked about it before we even started. I mean, our culture is set up that way. It's set up to not let kids show emotions or feel. So it's like, even when I was happy, it's like, what are you so happy about? What are you smiling about? Stop smiling. It's like, what? Really? Like I, I look at it back now and that was very normal. And then if I cried, it's like, oh, you're a freaking crybaby. Get over it. Suck it up, buttercup. You know, yeah. it was, it, it didn't matter what the emotion was. So when I went to therapy for the first time and they said, well, how does that make you feel? And I was like, feel, what do you mean feel? I don't even know what that means. Exactly. And you can't think if you don't have a, like that all goes together and become, is a person, is it's a, a real person. Right. And, and, you know, it's easy to demonize people. We're trained to do it. Every sitcom we watch, every movie, every television show, the husband and the wife are horrible to each other. 
the the in-laws are monsters the kids are unruly and it's all these these for entertainment purposes only as i talk about in my show but when when we don't do the personal work the accountability deconstructing those ideas then we sit down in front of those shows that we no longer watch weekly and then have six days to process we watch six of those shows in one sitting right and everybody wants to uh denounce the idea of garbage in garbage out we are what we consume that's what i talk a lot about because we want to we, we want to look at science and say violent video games don't make people violent and mm-hmm. violent music or aggressive music doesn't make people aggressive and and okay but we say those things because we want to play the violent video games with no consequence. Right. We're afraid to confront what those video games make us feel and why we like to play them. I found a while back in myself that I'm not a violent person necessarily. Uh, I have a very uh, tricky relationship with firearms. I gave a speech to Capitol Hill uh, in 2021 on gun violence. And uh, I have an upcoming episode about it. Lost my brother, several people to it. So for me, it's a little bit uh, different. I think when you experience the uh, the actual ramifications of that, it's harder to sit down and play Call of Duty. Right. Or it should be. So my argument is if it's that easy, why? That's a hard thing people don't want to confront. Now, what I found is I can play Fortnite because it's a cartoon, it's bright colors, it's fake, and people don't go bye-bye. They just get zapped into the lobby. They just lose the match. And to be honest, I'm not out there hunting like that. I'm not. I'm opening treasure chests. I'm out there for that endorphin. Like that. I want the dopamine. I want pink, ha-ha, gold. Ha-ha. You know, I want that. <laughs> and And so, and I run most of the time. I'm just like, nope, nope, I can get away from this. And if I don't win, I just start over. You know, it's just a... But things like competition culture, uh, I know people who get their entire day ruined if they turn on their PlayStation or Xbox and they they lose a match that was really intense, you know, or, or whatever it is. And it's um, it's interesting how we let those things affect us and how little we consider why they affect us. Right. So we just keep sitting down in front of the Xbox or the TV or going to that family gathering or Watching whatever it is that, you know, getting on that social media app that causes us so much headaches and whatever it is, because we don't know how to break the cycle within ourselves. And if we can't break the cycle within ourselves, you know, we'll never break the cycle in the generations. Oh, absolutely. And we need that's why I say we need everybody out there spilling this stuff. Like when people say, oh, the the violence from the video games doesn't really affect you. Well, it's proven that if you put on calming, soothing music, it completely regulates your nervous system and slows everything down and lowers your heart rate and everything else. So where is the argument that the other extreme wouldn't do the exact opposite? And, the, and the, you know, I, I talk about trauma uh, as a BB in a circuit board. And when you think about that, and, the, and I do that specifically, a BB is metal, so it will conduct electricity. You've got that circuit board and we see the circuit board with this little, I don't know enough about them, but you see all the little gold lines all going over to the next thing. But when you shoot that BB into the circuit board, then it may be right here lodged, right? 
So it may not de destroy the circuit board, but every message that goes from here, that travels through here, goes through that BB, amplifies, spark, and whatever it does, and launches out into anything that BB of trauma touches. So every emotional response, five, six, seven, eight down the line, comes from this corrupted, um, this corrupted trauma response, unresolved. Unresolved. Yep. Well, even resolve. You know, you can you uh, you can try to resolve trauma. I, I had a, a traumatic event happen uh, uh, several weeks ago. I was going that, to ask you about that if you wanted to discuss that because I will a little. Um, I don't like the sun, so I went to the beach early morning to get some waves and had only intended to do a little boogie boarding with my uh, stepdaughter and her husband. And uh, before I knew it, in the matter of of a minute. I was washed out into riptide and waters I, I was not equipped to be in. Uh, I already have back issues, so uh, I wasn't intending to get in that deep of water, much less shark feeding time infested waters. Um, I had had a previous experience when I lived at the beach uh, about a decade earlier where there weren't any people. It was, you know, Jekyll Island, Georgia, and it was just... Mm -hmm. Nowhere, nobody on the island, nobody on that side of the island. And uh, that's why I liked it. And I pulled off after work. I got off my morning show, went to the beach before I went home. Nobody knew where I was. I, I had no accountability because, you know, I was going through a divorce and all that. And, you know, had a few friends, but nobody. I'm like, I'm going to go to the beach. You know, it was nothing like that. Uh, and I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't give myself adequate permission to confront what that was, which was about seven hours of me in the water. Well, hours of me in the water and what seemed like hours of me on the beach once I got back, which I shouldn't have. Um, and it was terrifying. And what happened a few weeks ago was terrifying and would have by itself been a trauma. But, you know, the, the moment I got out there and, and got too far and I couldn't feel the, the ocean floor there, I, I just panicked and I started screaming for help. Um, so much for deconstructing that toxic masculinity of, you know, I don't, I can do this myself, you know, um, I can only imagine the me 15 years ago would have not. And in that situation, a few weeks ago, I, it would have been too late by the time I, you know, um, right. seconds counted in that situation. Um, because my back got twisted. Like I, I got whipped around, uh, by the waves and stuff and my back, whatever tweaked and my legs weren't fire in the way I needed them to. So I was, I was li literally dead in the water. Um, and so, uh, I was fortunate enough. My stepdaughter was coming out to the water to tell me she was going to run back up to the room. And then she heard me screaming. She thought she didn't know what I was doing. You know, she couldn't hear me until she got out in the water because I just started yelling. And, uh, and then she, uh, hundred nothing pounds of this kid, five foot two. And she swims out or whatever she swims out you know, and, and tries to pull me a little in. And she did uh, enough to, and gave me the hope that somebody else was coming. Again, that whole incident by itself would have been a life altering, but the fact that everything after has kind of been this um, unpacking of this trauma, I didn't give myself permission to confront because there was no one there. There was no one there to help me, but there was no one there to see it. And it was such an unbelievable story. I didn't, I didn't, I'm going to go to work tomorrow and tell everybody that I, I basically had a, a 
a movie experience that that could be a film and and you know what i mean you know just uh i i don't i can't underscore enough i wasn't in therapy then i was sort of to myself dealing with a custody battle so maybe i had an argument that i didn't need to deal with it i had other fish to fry and not dealing with that then has opened this door to make this incident a few weeks ago so much more than it should mm-hmm. have been. So I've been struggling a lot and having to go to my own, my own exercises that I, that I write about my own stuff and other people's to sort of recenter myself, those calming tones and those sort of techniques to listen to that music, to get my blood pressure lowered. And um, that, that experience, however, blew open doors in my psyche, doors that were resolved in my mind. Not just that previous beach event, but other events near misses where I was alone and went hiking, no accountability. And then you see these stories of these actors or these uh, you know, people who get lost and and stuff, and then you know, eight weeks later they find their remains, and it's like I, I flash back to these. Um, I wouldn't have thought about it otherwise, right? But because this is sort of like been this loud sonic boom that just rattled the locks loose, and in my mind now it's like, hey, 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 that could have been you. Remember when you went hiking, you fell down that mountain, you slid and pinballed down all those trees, and you ended up laying on a rock for four hours. <laughs> Remember when you couldn't even get up to look for your phone? You remember that? Remember you couldn't even get a signal, right? You remember when you were lost and then you're so hurt you couldn't walk up that thing and there was nobody there and it was getting dark in the middle of the woods? You remember that? And I'm like, I'm doing a podcast interview. Why would you do that right now? <laughs> Those inner voices, man, they'll kill you. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, hopefully not. You know, when you resolve the trauma, when you go and confront it at least, and when you're working towards that, then then it makes it a lot easier to deal with. And yes. thankfully, I've got a good support group. I've got, you know, a, a network and uh, a great therapist who has helped me through a lot um, to sort of confront some of this stuff. It's it's life altering. It's rattling. It's unnerving. There's a lot of things that go to it. If you've experienced anxiety, depression or any of that stuff, you know what I'm all the negative things. But from a learning standpoint, for me to be able to deconstruct this trauma so that I don't go out there and negatively impact other people with that trauma. So I can learn how to help other people deconstruct their trauma. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll gladly endure some palpating hearts and shortness of breaths and and all that. I mean, it's, it's worth it for me to figure out where all this stuff comes from. Well, we appreciate that you're on a mission because I'm sure people would really appreciate to hear more from you and more about your story and everything, because you've been through some powerful stuff and you're working through it. And it just goes to show you that there's hope. I mean, that nobody can has to be stuck in it. How do people reach you if they want to work with you, reach you? What is your, what are you, your book? I know you're coming out with a new book or several, and I know you have some, so how do people get to you? Find out more. Joshbrandonmedia.com is my website. Uh, that's the easiest place. Everything's linked up through there. You can get my merch, my music, my books, uh, my podcast. It's overthinkingeverythingpodcast.com. Um, all my social media links are on my websites. 
Um, I'm usually at Josh Brandon or at Josh Brandon Media, some you know, mix of the two. So YouTube and TikTok is Josh Brandon Media. Okay. And we'll put all that in the show notes as well, just so that everybody can have it. And then before you go, I want to, because you've been through a journey of years and years and years. So if you have somebody that is watching this and they're kind of interested or their interest is peaked in this whole starting to deconstruct and, and lay out the layers and open them up, where do you suggest they start? Give yourself permission. First of all, give yourself empowerment and give yourself guidance. So if you go with the permission, you have to all, we all have to give ourselves permission to do those hard things, or we have to seek that permission from somewhere else. I don't know why it's ridiculous to deconstruct that. We all have to at some point, but that's where you get into that sort of inspiration or whatever. You can seek other people who have gone through that journey find creators and watch their content and the guidance aspect of it uh not to sell myself but i offer guided deconstruction which is not mental health it is just taking what you do with your mental health treatment i don't see people who aren't in therapy uh it's taking what you have from that and taking the next step of of unwinding that on a on a real level real life level great great and then one last question what would you, one piece of advice, one word of advice for everybody out there listening? Go with compassion. Let compassion be your default response. You can never go wrong. And if you err on the side of compassion, you'll have to apologize less. Amen. Love it. Absolutely love it. Well, thank you so much, Josh, for coming. And I appreciate it. And hopefully we will see you down the road. Yeah, it's been great. And I uh, love to talk to you again. Okay, great. And for everybody out there listening, that was Josh Brandon and great information. Follow up with them and tune back in and hopefully we'll see you soon. Have a blessed day. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast. If this episode resonated with you or you think someone else could benefit from what you heard, why not share it with someone you care about? Let's heal from our past and take back control of our lives together. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to www.tammyvincent.com for a free chapter of my book, Surviving Alcoholic Parents. While you're there, be sure to catch my invigorating seminar, Awakening Your Authentic Self. Together, we will rewrite our stories and turn trials into triumphant smiles. Until next time, keep embracing your strength, keep being you, and know that you are more than enough. You are way more than enough right here, right now.